0: Hey guys, this is Person About Town, now presented by the Women in Comedy Festival. Uh, today we have a special guest who I'm super excited to have on, and he's gonna tell you who he is and where we are.
1: This is uh, internationally known weirdo, No, I ain't no weirdo, I'm a pretty straightforward dude, Clark Jones, we right now at Georgia's East Side Barbecue down here on Orchard Street, Lower East Side, Manhattan, New York City. On a Saturday, and it just snowed today, so it's a perfect day for barbecue.
0: So, have you been a fan of barbecue your whole life, or is this like something that you just happen upon this na- this restaurant and you're like, I like this place?
1: Both. Um, you know, black families barbecuing is a special time. It's um, every Fourth of July, my granny would do a big barbecue, and my grandmother, which is different, two different people. My grandmother. Uh, Make some of the best like baked, but gri- and grilled barbecue that I've ever had. And so when I first moved to New York, I was just you know I just needed some semblance of of, um, of familiarity, and because it was such a, a cultural shift from Chicago. I also lived in Georgia when I where I went to school in Atlanta. So um, I just was walking, uh, and I was like, let me try this place, and they were they were really good. This place is great. There's no bathroom and they don't there's no bathroom, there's no bathroom and the, I used to go to the bar across the street but that bar closed down to use the bathroom. And um they don't they don't take card, they only take cash. Okay. And it's a very intimate. Like when you walk in, you kind of feel like you're um kind of transformed or transported into the to the south a little bit.
0: Uh, Everything he says is accurate, and I did just look over to see the cash-only sign. Uh, Yeah, so, guys, beware. Uh, I've found more cash-only places in New York than I've come across in Boston. Like, is that a pretty common thing here?
1: Um, No. I mean, as as time goes on, definitely, um, I would say yes to that more than most places. But, you know... This place has so many, like, places that, like, oh, hey, let's do something that's different than everybody else. Even if it's mad inconvenient to the, <laughs> to the customer, let's just do it because nobody else is doing it. It's like, there's an ATM right outside, and that's what people love, grabbing cash uh, in the middle of New York City.
0: <laughs> it's rough. Uh, I was at a place yesterday, and I had to, like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, I have no, I have absolutely no cash because I live in the year 2016 like I don't understand what you're saying so like I was like can I leave this book as collateral like I don't know what relationship you want me like should I leave something I felt really
1: bad they just refuse to (laughs) make it easier for you um but you know it's it's the food is good enough to where you can kind of I look past it I don't know Kinesis thoughts on it but we'll see
0: (laughs) okay so you moved from Chicago to New York what prompted that move
1: Oh, that, um, I had been doing comedy in Chicago five years, and um, I had done or had got paid to work at every club in the area. Yeah. And it was at that time about six. There was Up, Zanies, Jokes and Notes, uh, Riddles, the improv, and Comedy Bar that I can think of right off the top of my head. And I had gotten at, at minimum feature work at all of those places. Um, a couple of them I had, I had Headline, oh, and Laugh Factory too. I had Headline at Laugh Factory, I Headline at Jokes and Notes, which was the first club I ever performed at. So all black was an all black club, owned by Mary Lindsey, who used to run All Jokes Aside, which was the only black comedy club in the 90s. So her story goes back to, this is where Steve Harvey and Tudrick the Entertainer and, um, I'm trying to think, Chappelle has been there. Like, every black comedian from the 90s had come through there because it was the only place that was a legit comedy club that, um, that they would come through in Chicago. So they would go there instead of going to Zanies or, or, you know, the, the Chuckle Bear or Chuckle Baron or whatever, you know, zany name they had for a comedy club. So that history was there. So it was important for me to start there. And actually, the first person to ever bring me up on stage was Laurel, who's on the Carmichael show and has his own show on MTV and done a lot of great things. So, you know, that history is kind of there with me.
0: So what were some of the, like, transitioning can be difficult. What was it like for you?
1: (laughs) I just, um, the biggest, you know, transition, you kind of have to reestablish your uh, reputation. Anybody who's coming from a scene where they were, you know, relatively known or whatever, they go to a new place, it's like you, you're kind of starting from the bottom. But what prompted me to New York was all the great writing in um, the city or that the city was known for. And uh, I was like, I want to make my writing better. I don't know if that has happened yet, but I'm, I'm working towards it. Because, you know, a lot of times you can get away with just doing a premise and then the act out. Yeah. But, like... I needed to learn how to, and I need to continue to learn how to complete the joke. So, and it's hard, especially, like, with black crowds sometimes. You can just, you can say a crazy premise, something you saw, acted out a bunch, and that's the joke. And it was like, man, this is what else I'm mad about. So, and and if you kind of make it seem too prepared or too polished, um, sometimes it, can come off as like, oh, he's trying too hard, right, to be funny. So, you know, I'm trying to mix that style that I kind of came up with, or that I grew into in Chicago, with being able to uh, write complete jokes. So that's what New York has helped me out with a lot. I had to learn how to do that.
0: So wait, how long ago did you make that transition?
1: Um, Three years ago. So I came here and I started comedy in June 25th, 2008. That was the first time I went on stage. And then what was it, like? what was your first it actually It was at Jokes and Notes so On a Wednesday night It was the open Quote unquote Open mic night Where they would have Some people going For the first time But also A lot of people Who were established Just you know Kind of You know Working on material Or you know Keeping the room hot Because it was a paid Open mic For like Customers paid $5 yeah. So um So I forgot the original question uh, What was it like also, what was the transition? Like? Oh, what was that like? Yeah, oh, the first time. Um, it was three minutes. And I, had, I came from a journalism background. Really? Like, I, I have a master's in journalism from DePaul. And so, like, my jokes were in order. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't non-secular. And that was different than what a lot of people were doing. Yeah. A lot of people were kind of just like, you know, just talking about whatever. But mine kind of had to have, even if it wasn't funny, mm-hmm. it, it had to have some sort of, like, Relationship to the last thing I said, so it it was okay. And Rel came out, and um, the, the comics were giving me a hard time because black people haze each other, yes. haze like you know like fraternities haze. Is it, and it's a comedy fraternity, and they, they talked about me, like a, like they roasted me as soon as I stepped outside, and I took that. Well, I was supposed to take that as a compliment. You know that means that they were paying attention because you know if you suck. Comics just won't listen to you. Right. So I had a few weird jokes in there, a couple moments of silence, but I got I got a, I got a couple laughs. And um, like I said, it was just different um, than what everybody was doing in that spot. And uh, Rell came out, he was like, hey, man, dude was funny, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he was funny. You know what I mean? Like, his joke makes sense. You know what I'm saying? And so he kind of defended me a little bit. And that was cool, and that was my one. Like, the old heads will give you one time that they defend you, and then after that, you kind of have to, uh, They, you know, they you get thrown to the wolves, man. Because black people hold comedy sacredly, so they don't mind telling you, making it hard for you. Okay. And if you can get through that, that means you really want it. Yes. That's saying, you know, some of it can be abusive to a, 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 a long degree, because it's still comics, and comics are still like battered and wounded people and all of that. But if you can get through all of that and some of the shit you got to go through, um, it, makes you, it makes you a stronger comic. Okay.
0: So have you found, like, I, the scene that I'm coming from, like, there's, like, a black room. There's, like, not a lot of diversity in the rest of comedy. So how have you found that to be different What's in Chicago? Slates, slates yeah, that's, that's it. Black-ass
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Slades. Uh, but so how have
0: w- you found it here in New York?
1: Oh, I mean, there, there's a depth. Every city, the, the scenes are segregated. And I feel like, you know, uptown Harlem, they got mochas and they got a bunch of different guys doing different things. And it's good. I got to do a couple of those rooms recently. But when I first got here, it was hard to get from Brooklyn all the way up there for shows. Like, you have to be intentionally doing it. Also, for us, sometimes it can be a single file line. And I'm just like, man, all these. New York comics are already in line for certain spots that ain't even available. I would need a vouch or a co-sign, and that's hard to get, in, you know, to be new. Because who wants the new guy to come in and yeah. start taking spots? Um, and i kind of been through, through all that, working my way up through the ranks with with jokes and notes. So most of my rooms, you know, the places I work have been in. Um, I did Caroline's pretty early. I got to headline Caroline's. And um, I was doing Knitting Factory, which was ran by Hannibal Burris, who was a good friend. So I kind of lended towards that scene just out of convenience. Yeah. Because I had went up to a black room in Harlem. And I went up four Mondays in a row, and they didn't let me up until the fourth Monday. I went up. I had a decent set. I got through it. And I was just like, all right, that's all I needed. Thanks. I just needed to go up and, yeah. and experience it. I would feel bad if I came to New York and I didn't perform in front of black people at all.
0: That makes sense? Yeah. Uh, so, wait, what was the name of that room?
1: <laughs> no, Mochas.
0: Mochas. Okay, cool, cool. I'm just, this is awesome for my edification. Like, all right, place I'm going to go. That's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Okay, so, okay, I'm just terribly interested. You went from journalism, you were also a teacher. How, what was that process, and how did that happen, and how were you like, nah, I'm good with all that comedy?
1: It never was a, like, I'm just completely sitting this down. Oh, shit. Gangstar. Uh, this feels like an MTV documentary now. <laughs> I think they did that on purpose for us. But, um... So, I had always been in, interested in storytelling and, and writing and, and things like that, which is falls under the same umbrella. Um, so, I went to Morehouse. Then I was going to go to law school, because it sounded like I can get a lot of money doing that. And I just... It was a case that we were on, and the case went bad, and I was just like, I can't really do this, so I applied to journalism school because it was the first year of the program at DePaul. They had just opened the College of Communications, and I wanted to be the first Black person to graduate with a master's degree. This is like a joke. This, no, 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 no. This is this is this is different. But I, that is embedded in me the, the, the desire to be the first Black something. Um, so I wanted to be the first black person to graduate with a journalism degree from the Paul Master's program. But it was like my name is last name is Jay. It was like somebody Anderson, I think a Jackson beat me. So I was like the third black person. Uh, and I started working for Ebony Jet. And it's like, oh yeah, this is something my mom would be proud of. And um you might know that the journalism and print uh industry took a dive. So it was like I was trying, I went for it. And it was just like I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do, you know, and um, it just didn't work out that way. So I was like, let me try something that I like to do that I'm kind of in control of. So uh, a friend of mine uh, who I had known since I was 14, thank you, he started doing uh, improv, and he said he was going to do stand-up. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I'm like, maybe I can write some uh, a few things for you or whatever. And then a couple things that I came up with, I'm like, oh, this don't really sound right coming from you. Let me try it. So he had an open mic called um, Kid Ha Ha's Playhouse, and I did the first one. And at three minutes, just it was like it was like breathing air, man, just being on stage. So we then the next week, he asked me to just co-host a mic with him. And it became Two Black Dudes and Open Mic. Yeah. And the dude, the comic who I co with, his name is Will Miles, who I currently co-host Comedy at the Knitting Factory with in Williamsburg every Sunday.
0: Did you guys move here at the same time?
1: We did, with another comic, Kenny DeForest. Oh. We, all, we all packed in a ho- U-Haul and um, took, grabbed all our stuff. And we had, none of us had driven a U-Haul before, but they gave us the keys. And, yep, we drove the U-Haul truck from, we spent the night, in Cleveland, I think, and then um, finish the trip to Brooklyn.
0: Okay, so the food has arrived, and I want him to be able to eat this while it's still warm, so we're going to pause it for now uh, and pick back up with this U-Haul trip, because that sounds terribly interesting. All right, so we've eaten. It was, it was delicious. I had a fried catfish sandwich uh, that, it didn't put my mom to shame, but it, like, reminded me fondly of my mother. Mm. It was very good. And do you want to tell the listeners what you had and what you thought of it?
1: Samson's Wings, which are like these grilled, but crispy grilled Samson's Wings. Make sure if you come here to Georgia's Eastside Barbecue, you tell them, cook them kind of hard. Like, I got everything, I came up, everything had to be cooked hard. Like, steaks, well done, no pink meat, all of that. And I just now recently made a steak that wasn't cooked all the way through, that wasn't blackened on the inside. And it actually was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty damn good, man. I'm like, okay, this is what I've been missing out on.
0: Why? Well, yeah, your whole family just, like, cooked it to...
1: My mom, my mom, everything had to be cooked hard. Everything. If she got sausage from a breakfast place, cook the sausage hard. Fry the eggs hard. Hash browns. Sweet, whatever. Cook it hard. I do not understand that. Refried ice cream. Whatever, she, whatever <laughs> is going in a pot, cook it all the way through.
0: Um, so we left off, you were in a U-Haul with Will Miles and Kenny DeForest, so what was that trip like? What was it like? Did you all live here like yeah. together when you got here? Or?
1: Yeah, we moved into the same apartment, and the trip, surprisingly, once you get, after an hour of driving in a U-Haul, you get kind of used to it. At first, it's a little alarming, and you definitely feel like you're going to tip over, but we made the um, like 16-hour drive, and... We had set up everything before we got in here. Okay. Like, apartment, a place called Nookland, um, because we had talked to other comics. We had signed all the promissory notes and gear run tours and all that other stuff and co signed it, blue, blue, so we're good. Like, yeah, we just come, you can pick up the keys. What they did not know is that it would be three black dudes and a white guy. So we get to the leasing office, not Nookland, we get to the leasing office with the keys, the guy sees us, and then all of a sudden, all of these problems are happening. Like, we were in there for two hours just waiting, then he's like, oh, we can't rent you the apartment. Like, why not? It's like, oh, there's some cold, we can't have four people in there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so we got here, we were homeless. The first night. Okay. We were homeless for a night, we had to just sleep in the Nooklyn office. Our first night. We had to sleep in the, in the Nookland building on the floor with, like, and they're like, oh, we, made, we have some, like, roll-away, like, sleeping bags for you. Then the next night, they had found us in an apartment, which is, where we are, which is where I am now. Kenny and I still live there. Okay.
0: That company seems kind of fucked up, though.
1: Um, the, not Nookland, but the, the owner of the building okay. we were trying to move into, yeah. they're fucked up. Okay. And they wouldn't rent after he saw us. So we didn't have a place to stay. And, thank, I mean, Nooklyn waived our, um, like, our signing fee or whatever. Um, because they obviously found some place that was <laughs> not cool. But they did find us a new place. And, um, yeah, it worked out. But it was cold. Because we moved here in September, and it was a cold September of that month. And uh, we were just in sleeping bags. And it's like... Empty ass. It wasn't even an apartment. It was just a floor.
0: Yeah.
1: And we were just... We were just... Yeah, we were just there. Of course, I didn't tell my parents about this.
0: Okay. What would your mom say if,
1: if you told her? Oh, she was hoping come home. She was just like, come home. This is not working out. Don't do it. Don't do it. She did not want me to move. But she knew... You know, those moms who are very, like... Very protective. And loving. They're always in this kind of weird space because... They want to protect their kid, but they also want their kid to do what makes them happy. Right. So doing what makes me happy, she knows I'm going to do it anyway. So she has to be supportive of that, even though, um, even though they 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 have this fear of what's out there because she didn't raise me to move to New York. Yeah. That's not the type of household she had. It was a very safe, sheltered kind of household. But I just always had this interest and curiosity that would take me to different places.
0: So you move here. Do you start teaching soon after that, or how was that process?
1: Oh, I couldn't pay rent, like, the second month. So I think it came September, and by December, I started teaching uh, test prep. Um, And, yeah, so then eventually I was like, okay, at least I have a way to pay rent. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So test prep teaching... Did you start working for New York, or I don't even know, like, Brooklyn public schools? Or, like, how does that...
1: It was it was just all New York public schools. Okay. So I would be placed in different um, schools around the city. So I would be in East New York, Canarsie, where, you know, it's rough. I've been in, um, like, Midtown. I've been in Harlem. I've been in Queens. Um, different parts of Queens, like they're all over the city, the programs. And so they would just place me in different schools.
0: So do you feel, do you feel like that helped you get acclimated to being a New Yorker or like, was, did you already feel like a solid New Yorker by that point?
1: I mean, New York is New York. Like the different boroughs have different energies as Nas plays in the background. <laughs> um, Queens has a different, Queens is very residential. It's almost sleepy and quiet and I'm a music guy, so listening to like Tribe Called Quest in Queens has a different feel to it. Okay. Listening to Biggie in Brooklyn has a different feel to it. Listening to uh, like Diddy or Big L or even um, ASAP in Harlem has a certain feel to it. It's like listening to Outkast in Atlanta. Like, it's something about it, in certain things you pick up. Um, so I enjoyed the part about getting on the train and just knowing how to get to different places. Yeah. That was, it was scary at first because New York is such a cultural difference than um, Chicago. It's like, Chicago has African Americans. Brooklyn has West Indian um, and, you know, Haitian, all of these things. So that was different. I was somewhat familiar with it. But being here really, really um, acclimated me to different, different cultures, which I love. People, you know. Oh, man. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there is,
0: oh my God, I'm so excited. My mother, like, in different families, you know, like, you have a person who, like, makes a particular dish, and everyone's like, is she coming with this? Like, mm. my mother made the banana pudding, so I'm, like, very excited. With to do wafers, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. we, we had to sit there and, like, line the bowl with vanilla wafers, oh, yes. and then, like, bananas and, like, layers upon layers of that. That
1: was uh, my aunt. She, my aunt Carol made the banana pudding in my family. Every family got one. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> And my mom threatens not to make it. People are like, i oh, Priscilla, come on, come on. Just, come what, right what, else, what else are you gonna make? You right. have to make something. You
1: gotta make something. Might as well be banana pudding.
0: Yeah, all right, uh, do you want to take the first bite? You, you, you
1: do or? it, you okay. knock it out, okay. it's you. I'm hosting. <laughs> <laughs> all Any right. <Isn't> good? <laughs> not putting your mom to shame. No, but it is. it's it's special. It's what about the cream, you ain't getting get none of the cream. There's cream in
0: there. There's cream in there. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. You gotta, you gotta have some. Oh, wait, I'll
0: taste. In? I'll taste a little bit of okay. it. Okay. So you have diabetes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Damn. Cause I, I, just had the cream. That's, that's fantastic. Have you ever had the cream cheese or the cheesecake banana pudding? No. It's so good.
0: Where does one, Where have you had that?
1: Um, my roommate's mom uh, made uh, cheesecake banana pudding. It was for uh, Thanksgiving. It was so good.
0: Did you spend uh, Thanksgiving with your roommates? Yeah.
1: Yep, nice. yep. I was here. And I, I never, even when I was in college, I never really went home for Thanksgiving. Um, something about it, I would just always stay where I was and then maybe go home for Christmas. This year, I didn't go home for Thanksgiving, but I went home for a week to do shows and hang with family um, the week after. So that's my holiday trip.
0: Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, so also, you said you you're... Cutting down gluten, how you live in a food city? How is that affecting it?
1: Food here sucks.: First in of all New
0: York yeah. in New York. In the
1: sucks. Food here.
0: Oh, I, back it up.
1: You have to yeah. back that up with the food here food. sucks. The pizza's trash. They, <laughs> it's not good. Everything's about how fast you can make the pizza and not how good you can make the pizza. It's like, oh, you make it in a minute, well, we don't even cook it. Now here, eat that for a dollar. And I just you know, I understand what they're trying to do, but anybody who's trying to say New York pizza is good. Is a liar. It's not good. It's not meant to be good. It's meant to be fast. And that, that means less delicious. All
0: right, so you prefer a Chicago, like, deep dish style? Yeah,
1: because everybody's not in the rush in Chicago. There's nowhere else to go. You know, everybody has someplace else they got to go. So naturally, the food has time. And also, in the Midwest, dairy is everything. So cheese is what's emphasized. Here, yeah. sauce, you know, is the other thing. You know, Italian roots and all of that. So... I'm just used to, like, nice cooked brown cheese, like, cooked hard, you know? That's what I like.
0: (laughs) You made a very hefty statement. All food here is trash.
1: For the most part, the food is trash. But it's because they got to cook it so quickly, man. Like, I mean, there's some good places to eat. Like, Georgia says great food, but it's all uh, misappropriated culture. Those those are the good places. There's some good Chinese food in Brooklyn, though. I will say that.
0: So, uh, I just moved to Brooklyn. What are the Chinese food places that I should check out?
1: Oh, uh, there's a place right by me, um, right on Wilson Avenue, uh, called Lin's Garden. Lynn's Garden is they got some of the best, um, some of the best Chinese food. Over in like East Bushwick too, over off the Wilson stop, there's like three Chinese food places on one block. Um, wow. Yeah, Noah Garden Tours and with Shopper in a great room, and Father's Knows Best over there right off the the Halsey stop, and uh, it's a bunch of good Chinese food places over there. All right,
0: sweet. So, based on your experience over the last three years, do you think you're going to stay in New York for the long haul?
1: I think, you know, everybody eventually goes to L.A. for a a uh, semi-amount of time. Like, some people stay... I just I just kind of want to be everywhere. Like, I, I don't mind having a base in New York, but I always want to travel around. And as long as I can just have a credit, you know, kind of reproduce itself every six months to a year or whatever, mm-hmm. then I can go out on the road and say, like, oh, he's from this. And then hopefully the credit gets better and better. Okay. So I'll be New York-based, but um, I'm always trying to travel and see different things. There's so many cities I haven't seen in America.
0: Behind you, there's just a car hitting a cone. And it, like now it stopped, but it was just dragging the cone along. It was like, no, I don't. This this cone isn't for me. Yeah. This cone is for everybody else. It
1: yeah, good. it's like the episode of The Simpsons when he goes to New York. That that's that was that was it in action. Welcome to New York, where people don't give a damn about your cone, about your restrictions.
0: Yeah, like, that's cute.
1: Um, like, I need this spot. See, in other cities, people put furniture in their parking spots. They don't do that. Here. Yeah. They don't do it in New York Because your shit gets stolen And, and your furniture your, your you gets stolen And your parking spot uh,
0: people, Like in Boston People shoot each other over parking spots Here they just take it Walk away
1: Nobody New York people don't move their car for three years If they have a decent <laughs> spot They don't move in the, in, the, in the city Or like Oh no really like uptown Like the uh, Bronx and Harlem Those cars will be just sitting there Through like three seasons Because nobody moves their car Ever
0: that's impressive, but also kind of disturbing. Like, why own a car for three years that you are not going to own? Like,
1: old people who like this is my last drive. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not taking another drive out. So this is, this is my spot. My 2006 Volkswagen is staying here.
0: Wow. All right. Damn. Okay. So when you travel to other places, when you potentially, uh, while this will be your base. Uh, you stay in other cities. When you come back, what's the first thing that you like to do in New York that's like specific to being in New York?
1: Oh, um, I might, like, a couple times I've gotten off the road, I'll go straight to a mic. Or like a New York mic and just work out those things I, re- I wrote while I was on the road. because um, I, I just like that feeling of bringing something new and hearing it out and testing it out back in this place where comedy is, um, Comedy is known, and even audience members are familiar enough with comedy that, you know, they're like, you're not going to get the last if they've heard that before, or if they're familiar with something. I mean, you're talking about comedy nerds, especially in Brooklyn, so, you know, I like to do it here, where it's like, all right, well, we've heard that before, we've heard that before, oh, oh i never heard that, so if it gets a big laugh, I'm like, all right, maybe I got something. Cool, cool. test
0: And you like New York mics over the mics in any other city?
1: Um, The Chicago mics have a different purpose. Where, like, Chicago mics are for working out sets. New York mics are working out jokes. So you can go up and do the set at a Chicago mic that you're going to do at a comedy club that weekend. And people are like, oh, yeah. Great set. Great, you know, you got the whole thing there. Here's like, you can be a little bit more non-secretary and figure out how you're going to put it all together. But you can just do the joke, different joke, different topic, whatever. Okay. Um, other cities have that too, but I feel like New York is really about, what's what's the new angle you got on things? Got it. All
0: right. Cool, cool. I feel, no, I feel good. Like, all right, this is good. I know... It's good to know what a particular mic is for and what it isn't good for. So that's super useful. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everyone. Uh, what's something that people would be surprised to know about you or, like, a secret that this, it can be, like, a scoop for this podcast?
1: Man, I, I'm an open book, really. Okay. Like, I put everything out there. But um, one, uh, I'm working on a mixtape.
0: Okay. Two... A music mix
1: mixtape. A music mix. It's a conglomerate of things.
0: Oh.
1: A music mixtape. Okay. I'm applying to Harvard next year. What? And I put uh, ice in my cereal. I, I like my. Okay, ice. you you said. I like my cereal with the ice coat. What? That's the most controversial thing. You.
0: Okay, so you you put milk in there as well.
1: Milk, cereal, and uh, ice cube. Yeah.
0: But like, what if you eat the ice cube?
1: That's fine. But, but I won't eat the ice cubes because I want the milk to stay, like, freezer cold. I, the, the
0: <laughs> I can't do
1: more
0: milk. But, the milk has presumably been in the fridge.
1: I like it ice. I like it on the rocks.
0: But, like, you could, without diluting the flavors that you have working for you, you have, like, one of those, like, ice rods or, like, something that is cold. With yeah,
1: or- the flavor. That sugar is ingrained in that cereal. Um, I especially though the gluten-free... Uh, the gluten free Cheerios that they got down. Frosted Cheerios. Gluten free for all the fans out there.
0: I don't understand. I want, like, <laughs> I won't. I will never try this. Oh, man. Okay.
1: It's very good. Mm. <laughs> mm. My damn.
0: Okay, so applying to Harvard for what?
1: I don't want to give away too much about it okay. just because I don't want other people to do it. <laughs> but, um,. African American studies.
0: Nice. Harvard's a good, it's a good place for... for good things. Yeah. yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna move.
1: Maybe so, I may do a little residency. Okay. But thankfully Boston's on the East Coast so I can still travel. Yeah. And Boston's a great comedy city too.
0: It's pretty good. I like it.
1: I wanted to try for next year, but I'm like I'm still establishing myself. So this will give me time to work hard now to establish my name a little bit more. But still, you know, like James Franco. He went to NYU or something, right? But
0: then he went crazy, and now he's just like a kind of crazy person.
1: No, no, no. That's, that's, you're gonna, uh, that's you're gonna tell me James
0: Franco's
1: not. No, no, no. That's the Green Goblin, or whatever. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> he's been taken over by a different character. Yeah,
1: no, no. I only know him as the Green. That's the only role I know. <laughs> and the Freaks and Geeks thing.
0: You, you know when he hosted like, the Oscars high out of his mind?
1: I want to do the same thing. <laughs> I want the same story. Why not? The Oscars suck, they're boring. They're boring as f- capital A, capital F. So yeah, no, that was fun. You didn't forget it.
0: That's true, I remember Anne Hathaway, who I dislike anyway, dragging his like corpse across the stage just trying to get to the finish line.
1: Billy Crystal has hosted the Oscars 13 times. I don't know one joke he told. And it's no shade to do <laughs> Billy Crystal, it's more the Oscars themselves.
0: Okay, so you're also, if we're going with the James Franco thing, you're going to star on General Hospital for no reason. just. Well,
1: do I don't want to be James Franco. I just want to, I pick one thing he did okay, okay, and also okay. want to do that, <laughs> but in a different school.
0: Okay. I hope that you are able to get, is it your PhD or master's? PhD. So you're going to be there forever?
1: No, 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 no. Once you, the hard part is getting in Harvard. Okay. After you get there, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you don't have to stay. You'd still be a Harvard person. Or you could just create some sort of, oh, I'm going to do a road residency as a stand-up comedian to further my, whatever. You, if you if you could write a paper on it, they'll, they'll be like, okay, cool. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I'm just going to a bunch of different comedy cl- And that'll get me with bookers. Like, yeah, I'm from Harvard. I'm doing a study on black comedy. I really want to do Slades.
0: Because you couldn't get up at Slades.
1: I just want to headline Slades as a part of my thesis.
0: How do you think an audience would react if someone brought you up that way? They're like, this guy, he's, uh, he's doing a thesis on this.
1: Well, first of all, I gotta roast the host and say, uh, no, I didn't tell him to say that. He made that bullshit up and then just take it from there. Okay. Black comedy starts the moment you start talking. That's when the act starts. Okay. White crowds, they let you get the whole joke out. If it didn't go too well, you get another shot. <laughs> but black crowds, it's the first thing you say. The first thing you say has to be in the moment, improv, and just shut the house down. That's just a little insight. A like, he ain't funny. I'm like, I ain't even started yet. <laughs> you said, oh. Or if you don't, if you, like, if you start slow and you don't come out immediately with the joke, the punchline at the end, if they were patient enough to listen all the way through, that punchline got to be fantastic. Yes. I mean, fantastic. If you're slow delivery... That motherfucking punchline gotta pay off.
0: I'm just thinking, uh, I love all of you, of course, but I'm just thinking of my friends who have done Black Rooms and ex- like just talked about how they didn't have a great experience. And I'm like, oh, I can see that. Like, If this is the rules of the game, their stuff does not correspond to that at all.
1: That first joke gotta be A. Yeah. Because black people have, f- have families full of funny people just hilarious, like, crying, stomach-hurt funny, funny people so they know, like I was saying, New York people know stand-up comedy. Black people know funny because that's what we've always had in many situations is jokes. You know, life is hard anyway. Then you throw in so many experiences, it's like, it's like, damn, I'm black and I got cancer. Like that's, That seems unfair, but somebody in your family has a joke for that because that's what we've had to do so so we know we know funny and um you know you want to make it seem as naturally funny as possible i ain't no expert i'm just saying my experiences
0: i think you're i think you qualify as if there is an expert you're like
1: <laughs> i wish Tell comedy central that no right, I'll, I'll, just, call I'll call just, him. i'll just call him tweet him tweet
0: him <laughs> <laughs> do slide in I. I if I do that, you can't be mad at me for doing that. Uh, okay, I won't, okay.
1: I won't. Right. Let's just, we'll come back on the podcast. We'll do Clark Jones part two, and we'll do part two, the DM, the DMs.
0: Outside of going to Harvard, you talked about like making steps, uh, getting a little bigger, bit bigger here. What does that entail for you?
1: Um, really for me, there is no like, people are oh, what's your end goal? What's your big game? And honestly, every time I go on stage, and I have people I've never met before laughing. Um, that's that's a mission accomplished, that's a goal. All right, I also like magic. I do like card tricks and stuff. Uh, look, <laughs>
0: no, okay. <laughs>
1: listen. listen. Th- the- the- when you said
0: me? magic, I, there are two things. I was like magic the card game or magic like the merriment and wonder of the universe. You mean oh, like.
1: Both, yeah. no, 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 they're, they're one and the same. Okay. I, I, Henry David Thoreau said, "Suck out the marrow of life." That means do everything that you that your heart and your mind can come up with. Yeah. Try to do that. Okay. It always comes back to stand-up comedy. That's what I do. But like I watch these David Blaine specials, and I'm just always like, I could do that. Really? That's that. Comedians don't quit comedy. The reason why we stay in this through the the, the tough spots or the hard spots or when it, when you probably should quit. Is because you saw somebody on stage and you said, I could do better than that. Yeah. So you're constantly holding yourself to that agreement that you made. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps us going, whether you know it or not. You told yourself you could do better than that. And you won't stop until you are, but that's never. That's never the end. You're always like anytime you bomb you're like Well, I told myself I was better than that, so I can't ever bomb again. Then you bomb again and (laughs) it's just it just keeps going and going. Never stops.
0: So magic, how, how would you like to incorporate that into you?
1: We do, what we do is magic. It I don't mean like, it's, oh, is this mystical, great, <laughs> this profession. No, it's 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 sleight of hand and, and tricks yeah. and distractions. Yes. The same way a magician naturally makes you look that way when he needs you to not look at his hand. We throw that out by bringing up something. So, you're thinking of it this way. So, when I hit you with the punchline, you don't see it coming.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the exact same hustle.
0: Okay.
1: We, and that's why comedians, other comedians are more impressed when you can fool them.
0: Yeah.
1: I did it. I've done it with my students before. What do they say? They're impressed. All right. Wait, how old are these kids? Like, I don't know. Five? No, just <laughs> fine. <funny>. they like... <laughs> All like, like, you have to do is show them a card, and they're
0: impressed. Seventeen or eighteen. Okay, that's cool. Because they're like they're too cool at seventeen and eighteen. Like for them to be impressed.
1: Teachers too. I do tricks for the teachers. Yeah. Everybody loves magic. Everybody has that little kid that believes it a little bit. Even in New York.
0: Have you been to magic shows in New York?
1: No, I don't like watching the magic shows. I just like <laughs> I just like knowing how to do it so I can do it.
0: Okay, your face did a thing. Like.
1: Okay, all right. Ugh. Magic show? <laughs> I like, the, like, I like the
0: idea.
1: No, I like, I like working with people who still can be impressed. Okay. Yeah. Nice, 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 All
0: right. So what are some of your final thoughts on this place, New York, comedy in general?
1: New York has uh, just tested my patience <laughs> in a lot of ways. And what will happen, I don't know if happens to everybody, but your body, your mind, and your will uh, they build up this resistance mm-hmm. to uh, giving up okay. in that you feel like, well, I'm going to have to move. That may happen every week. Uh-huh. Then all of a sudden it happens every month. Then it happens every three months. Then maybe every six months. And slowly, the times where you feel like um, I'm not going to be able to do this, they spread out further and further until you're like, oh, I live here. This is where I live. This is... This is who I am. And then you really realize that when you go back home, you go to other places, and you know you're bringing a New York self Mm -hmm. to this place that only knew you for one type of thing. So it's a beautiful place. Uh, The food is trash, but I love the city, and I've had some great moments here. Best moment, comedy moment here, is getting the light from Questlove at Littlefield at Night Train. The, it, both things, both of the two greatest things happened in the same day in that I talked earlier about Wyatt Cenac yeah. and this was my first time doing a show he was there because he had been on the road doing work and he was there and this is the most nervous I had ever been because I have this one shot mentality yeah. with everything I'm just like man I got one shot to make Wyatt who I've Obsessed over All these years To make him think I'm funny The set Ends up going okay I Look in the back of the room Getting lit I keep hearing this Ha 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 Kind of laugh And it's uh, And the same person that's coming from I think I made a riff Or something like that And uh, I was getting lit From the same area I'm like that's not Marianne the producer That's somebody else After the show Questlove I I shake his hand He's like oh man that That was super funny and why it was like oh man that's super funny and i took a picture with both like two of my heroes just not even just in specific their art but just just black dudes who i who i look at and i'm just right. like y'all are dope and um, to have them think that i was funny if only for that night or whatever um, that was pretty amazing yeah it's it's, it's
0: really cool
1: uh, Blew my mind Blew my mind all right and,
0: so, this has been, uh, well, I think it's a great episode. You guys can form your own opinions. I'm really happy with it. Uh, this has been Person Bow Town. I'm Kenice Mobley, and bye.
1: See you later. Hey, they were playing some dope-ass hip-hop in the background, too. DClarkJones.com.